On the Record with White House Correspondent April Ryan. It is my pleasure today uh, to be talking with, I guess, a kindred spirit uh, in the Philadelphia area. His name, well, first of all, let me tell you what he does. He is this 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 very cool um, healthcare practitioner, uh, healthcare provider. He is actually the president of Thomas Jefferson University Hospital, Dr. Stephen K. Clasco, who really is trying to fix the system that is broken. Uh, welcome to On the Record with April Ryan, Dr. Clasco, or President Clasco, if you will. <laughs> well, thank you so much, April. It's about time that downtown Baltimore and South Philadelphia finally got together. How about that? How about that? <laughs> well, well, and, and as we talk about that, and, and, and downtown Baltimore and, and South Philly um, coming together, you have people, real people in these areas, real people all around the country, who basically came out saying that health care is the number one issue. That was like the preeminent issue uh, in this last presidential election. It's still broken. Um, and, you know, listening to you, you were telling me, you know, over Thanksgiving, basically, you know, it's it's so broken, you have to basically do your Christmas shopping on Black Friday or the day after Thanksgiving at your computer because you can't leave because you're managing healthcare systems in your community. Talk to me about about the, the severity of the of the problem and, and how we fix it. Yeah, so, so I, I think it really starts out, I think it's a multifocal problem, but it really starts out with, you have to start with your mission, right? I mean, if you think about your role as a journalist, you know what your mission is, is to inform people, you know, with, with, with the truth. And, you know, the problem with healthcare has been a lot of the academic medical center's missions have been to be number one in NIH funding and all those kind of things. We decided that ours was going to be we improve lives and that we were willing to reimagine healthcare education discovery to create unparalleled value. So here's what it comes down to. As you said, you can be the day after Thanksgiving in your pajamas watching Game of Thrones do all your holiday shopping. But if you have a, if you have a stomach ache, you're still listening on the phone, you know, uh, for 11 options to get an appointment next Wednesday. And it's not that the technology doesn't exist. It's just that either the patients nor the, the providers have said, hey, we have to join the consumer revolution. So we decided to do that. We decided to say Jefferson's new model will be healthcare with no address. Hmm. We want to get our care out to people at home. And by the way, that, that's, that's people that have means. That's also been incredibly positive for the most underserved population because them doing that at home means they don't have to get in their car, find a nanny for their kids. So it's been a really positive experience for us. Hmm. Well, it's interesting um, when you say that. Is, it, is this... Is this, is this a cost-effective thing, or is it costing you? Um, you know, because when you do that, you know, you don't have people coming in. And, and healthcare is kind of an expensive industry. Um, it's, that's why the prices are so high when we go to the doctor. Is this really uh, taking the profit somewhat out of out of the system? Well, it's, it's a great question. So um, I, I tell my faculty, there's a great Upton Sinclair quote, it's hard to get somebody to do something when their salary depends upon them not doing it. So part of the problem in healthcare, and, and my latest book, Bless This Mess, I, I put this out there, is that everybody's incentivized to up prices, right? I mean, the hospitals are incentivized to basically do the, the most high-acuity things because that's where they make money. Mm-hmm. Pharma makes money by people ingesting drugs. You know, insurers make money by, you know, increasing the 
the dollars that, that are in the middle. And then we're amazed at how care costs keep going up. Almost nobody's incentivized to really, really work together to increase access, increase quality, and, and decrease cost. So, so um, the answer to the question right now is some of the things that we're doing actually uh, don't help us from a profit point of view. I personally believe, and our whole mission believes, that by providing better cost, better patient experience, better better uh, quality, we're gonna we're gonna succeed in a new model. Because here's the story: the model basically is broken, and at some point the dam's gonna break. And you and I talked about this a little bit. You know, what, I, what I've asked the the leaders in this country to to think about, senators and some of the president's advisors. We almost need a 9-11 commission for healthcare. If you think about 9-11, the Democrats blame the Republicans, the Republicans blame the Democrats. Literally, eventually they said, we failed to keep the country safe, and they got 10 or 12 real experts and disruptors say solve it. We need to get 10 or 12 real disruptors in healthcare, in pharma, insurance, provider, patients, and say, look, let's, let's look at how we can finally get this system together instead of just putting more money into a broken system. As we talk about the system and how broken it is, what would your 9-11 type commission uh, uh, meeting or, or panel look like? How would you construct that? So, so I, I, I wrote a book that was sort of a science fiction book called We Can Fix Healthcare. And here, here's, here's what it, it posited. It basically said um, uh, President Obama, before he left office, basically did that. It's supposed that he got all these folks together. He said, you folks have to look in the mirror and, and fix this. I'm leaving. We did what we do best in healthcare. We blamed everybody that wasn't us. The providers blamed pharma, pharma blamed insurers. There was a science fiction event, a blackout and a vapor that we woke up and all we could do is look in the mirror. And out of that came the 12 disruptors for the demise of the old healthcare that were so compelling that both the Democrats and Republicans used it as their as their uh, healthcare platform. Now that's obviously a fantasy science fiction, but it could happen. And and so so here's here's some examples. Here's something we can all agree on. If you take a place like Philadelphia or Baltimore, both of them have some of the best academic medical centers in the nation, right? And in both Philadelphia and Baltimore. But both of them probably have the highest discrepancy in life expectancy by zip codes. So we talk about all this stuff like like genomics but the fact is, in Baltimore and Philadelphia, your zip code is more important than your genetic code. So, so when you say genomics, let's just let's just break it down in layman's terms. The human genome. Um, am I correct? Yeah. So, 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 so. And Bill Clinton used to say everybody's ninety nine percent the same. <laughs> well, yeah, said a lot of things, but uh, stop. Um, uh, um, but so, 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 if you think about it, that's what's called personalized medicine. There's certain things about your genome, and we're doing some really amazing work on this that would affect whether a drug would work for you, would affect whether or not if you're a male uh, PSAs, which is a, a detector for prostate cancer, would work. So that's personalized medicine. That's what everybody, everybody's talking about, that and augmented intelligence as the answer. But the funny part about that is, yeah, that's part of the answer, but that's not going to help the fact that, that, that different people, a baby born in Jefferson that goes to one zip code is going to live 21 years uh, longer than a baby born in Jefferson that goes to a different zip code in Philadelphia. And that's things like food, education, housing. So, so one of the things that we did at Jefferson is that 25% of my personal incentive is now literally what's happening in Philadelphia reducing health equity, not what happens when I get into my hospital. 
So that gets back to the healthcare with no address. That means I'm meeting with social agencies. I'm meeting with, with uh, food deserts. And I think that's something we could all agree on, that, that if you're going to be a, uh, an academic medical center in a place like Baltimore or Philadelphia, that's part of your job. And, and so those are the kind of things that I think can start to really make a difference. Today, I'm actually with some of the leaders in, in uh, Silicon Valley talking about exactly that. We're down in Florida in a place with 125,000 seniors with some of the leaders in Silicon Valley talking about how can we get food out to people? How can we start to look at food, education, housing in a very, very different way? Hmm. So, and, and as you're talking like that, I'm, I'm thinking about just the basics. You know, there were people um, at that last gathering here on health care um, uh, here in the Trump administration uh, just last year. They didn't have a woman at the table. Yeah. You know, they didn't yeah. have an advocate. And I mean, this is just basics. And you're talking all of this other stuff. I'm thinking about what was missing at that table. It was all white men. And they were dealing with women's issues, deciding on, you know, pre pre-existing conditions and all this other stuff. And, you know, as we said, I'm a walking pre-existing condition. I've had two C-sections, you know. Right. Um, you know, and, and there are other women's issues, you know, beyond that. And then you have child advocates that were not at the table, I guess. Then, I mean, it's just so many different groups, you know, uh, the LGBT community um, and their unique uh, health and medical needs. Um, it's so many different issues out there that, that were not laid on the table with a representative. And that table will be large. I think about uh, President Glasgow, I think about what Shirley Chisholm had to say, if you don't have a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. Right. No, listen, and, and you know what, I mean, you know, and, and by the way, thank you very much. You participated in our Dr. Martin Luther King uh, day, and, and, you know, as always, we're a star. But, you know, I think I, that I mentioned in 1966, Dr. Martin Luther King said of all the forms of inequality, That's right. Um, uh, injustice in healthcare is the, is, is the worst. So, so yes, I think you're right. It's ridiculous to have, um, you know, uh, a tribunal of wealthy Caucasian men to talk about how we're going to uh, decrease women's health disparities. Um, and, you know, you, you would, that wouldn't happen in any other sector of the economy, right? Am Amazon isn't hiring people from, you know, like Sears uh, to talk about, you know, like, like how they can provide a better e-platform. Because that was the old way of doing things. So, and so Sears is falling because they didn't follow the new way of doing they, things. They didn't, right, right. So, so what we're doing is, I mean, I'm glad you brought this up because part of what we've done is I literally, um, a good part of my advisors are young men, women, LGBTQ folks of, of the, that are Caucasian, African-American, and Latino, and saying, what do you need? You're, you're the future, you know. What you know, and you know. Sometimes it's painful because they'll say, "Look, you guys are clueless as far as what's happening today." But so that allows me to start to look at at our telehealth program and how we make that culturally competent. And here's one more thing, April. Think about this. You want to know what a tale of two cities really is? Tell me about it. There are people in Philadelphia and Baltimore who whose uh, parents pay. Will give pay one hundred fifty thousand dollars to have little Mary or little John, you know, um, take seven Princeton reviews and get tutors, so they can pass this multiple choice test very well and get into medical school. 
and become a plastic surgeon in Sarasota. And, you know, then, then there's somebody else with a tattered Barron's book, an African-American or Latino, you know, uh, male or female, that literally has to compete on memorization. What's so ridiculous about that is within a few years, we're going to have robots next to us that are going to be much better at memorizing. So we actually started a medical school where we chose people based on self-awareness, empathy, cultural competence, and communication skills. Triple the diversity. Because you get a, real, a, a really dedicated student from an HBCU that might not have had the study skills to, to memorize you know, the, the citric acid cycle, which doesn't matter anymore in 2019 because your iPhone could do it. And he, won't, he or she won't get into medical school, but they might be incredibly dedicated and exactly the kind of doctor that you want. So, so that's an example of what we can do without the federal government. We've just actually changed uh, and, and started to increase our holistic admissions and not just based on can you memorize everything. So, so, and, and we got that by having really, frankly, students tell us we're sort of shut out because by the time we're in eighth grade, we don't have the same study school skills, you know, that, that the kids that went to the rich schools went to. So there's no chance we can become a doctor. Hmm. But you know, and, and that's great. I love hearing these kind of stories. But one thing we 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 skipped over in this conversation is very important um, and about health care, the effects of pharma and pricing. Pharma pharmaceutical uh, companies and manufacturers that um, cause a lot of our bills to go up from these crazy prices uh, of 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 medicine and sometimes they, they, the excuse is the trials and, and the research, how long it takes for it to be able to go through the process before it even gets to the, to, to the pharmacy. So, you know, I think pharma needs to be at the table and figure out some kind of way to cut those prices as well, right? Listen, um, absolutely. I, I think they look, I think a good part of it's not like everybody's evil in the system. It's just that we're the only sector of the economy that hasn't changed in 40 years. We haven't changed the way we select students for 40 years. We haven't changed the way that we price procedures. We, we haven't changed the fact that insurers are, are, are in essence, middle, middlemen, and in most, in, in most other sectors of the economy, the middleman has gone away. Pharma is a good example. In the 70s, it made sense to have the CMS, the government, uh, insurance company be the only thing that couldn't negotiate pharma prices because that allowed, as the only developed country in the world, that allowed American pharma to do the research for the rest of the world. In the 70s, that probably made sense. But now you have China, you have India, you have all these other developed countries that are literally getting the drugs from the American co co countries at a much lower price than we are in America. And because of, of those prices, we can't we can't insure everybody. And China's saying, hey, this is great. I get a discount compared to America. I can use that money to compete. So I think, I think part of the problem has been that we've allowed the system to be stuck in a time warp. Mm -hmm. and, and because it hasn't been market-driven, because we could just in the past increase prices, nobody was incentivized to fundamentally change, right? If you think about it, in the retail sector that we talked about, Target and Walmart had to fundamentally change, change pricing, change, you know, uh, how they deliver uh, because, because of Amazon. We don't have anything pushing us like that yet. Now, I think what's going to happen is, well, I think what's going to happen is that you're going to find that literally there's going to be new entrants that say, hey, we're going to ignore the hospitals. We're going to ignore the insurance companies. 
and we're going to go and <clears throat> build an Amazon for healthcare. And I think you're, you're starting to see that. Well, we're doing it. Jefferson is saying, hey, you don't have to do that without us. You can do that with us. Well, Dr. Clasco, Dr. Stephen Clasco, the author of how many books and what are their names? <laughs> so three books, uh, Bless This Mess, A Picture Story of Healthcare in America, Asterisk, This Is Not a Children's Story, It's Scary, uh, the latest one. Uh, the one in 2017 was uh, We Can Fix Healthcare, The Future Is Now. And some stethoscope, which is about a medical student who got abducted by aliens on the day of the residency match, came back 15 years later. And they reimplanted the technical knowledge, but none of the business, legal, cultural, equity knowledge. And we taught her what she should have learned in medical school. Wow, wow. You're amazing. I so appreciate the conversation with you, and I can't wait to cover uh, the story about your 9-11 type commission on health care. Um, I believe that it has to start somewhere, and maybe you're that person to start the conversation to change the dynamic after 40 years as you're talking about well, thank you, April. And listen, I just want to thank you on behalf of so many of us for keeping it real uh, in your in, in, in your job. You uh, you are a great source of real information. Oh well, I thank you so much, sir. And it's great to talk to you. And thank you once again for joining me with April Ryan and On the Record. Thank you. With this week's On the Record, I'm AURN White House correspondent April Ryan. Don't forget to subscribe to On the Record on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. On the Record, a product of American Urban Radio Networks. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.